Welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Sam Slater, and today I've been joined by Will Argent, Investment Advisor to the VT Gravis UK Infrastructure Income Fund. Hi, Will. Hi. Hi there, Sam. So we've obviously seen a lot of dividend cuts recently. Um, so perhaps we can start with the income element of the fund. Um, perhaps you can let us know how the individual companies are faring in that respect at the moment. And also you do invest in quite a few investment trusts. Are they tapping into their revenue reserves to maintain their dividends? Um, yeah, so as you rightly identify, there have been lots of dividend cuts or withdrawals across broader equity markets um, but in the in the UK infrastructure space um, you know we've actually seen quite a resilient dividend um, distribution so I think you know the critical services um, and functions that are provided by the assets owned by infrastructure companies um, you know they've continued to um, steadily earn through this period um, and, and therefore companies have been able to distribute Dividends, um, you know, in line uh, with with expect, expectations. Um, I, I think in the main, dividends are covered by earnings, certainly uh, presently, um, rather than companies having to rely on, you know, dipping into capital or, or, or as you mentioned, uh, reserves. Um, so, so I don't think that's such a uh, an element at the moment. Um, I think in the fund, um, you know, all companies bar one have, have paid dividends in line with uh, expectations. Um, and I think in the instance of the, the company that hasn't uh, paid in line, um, it has been a, a very modest cut uh, in the region of about 10% to uh, its near quarterly dividend. Um, and actually, we think there's probably um, more upside risk through the rest of the year. Uh, we think that that decision was taken as a sort of cautionary um, position. So uh, I think as, as as the year rolls on, there may be uh, more upside risk that that gets fully marked up to prior expectations rather than gets uh, reduced any further. So, uh, you know, on balance, the fund has been, you know, uh, has not really been impacted at all by um dividend cuts. And that'll be really good news to income investors then. They're placing cuts everywhere else, aren't they? Um, you're also able to invest in some bonds of infrastructure companies too. Were you tempted to add to this area of the fund at all within the sell-offs in March? Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. We um, do um, have the ability to invest in direct debt issues of, of infrastructure-related you know, businesses. Uh, and currently, we hold three direct debt issues in the portfolio. Um, during uh, the real, um, you know, depths of the market downturn, um, I was indeed tempted to um, to add, and and I was able to uh, increase um, one particular position, uh, which is a debt issue of a, a, a water utility in the UK, um, and we managed to acquire stock at you know. Um, levels I deem to be very attractive um, and a, a running yield uh, that's very much in line with the fund's broader income objective. So, so yes, we have added. And the government's obviously spent a lot of money trying to keep the economy afloat already. Has any of that found its way into infrastructure projects or do you expect to? I mean, Boris has just said he's going to build our way out of uh, 
the recession is that something this fund can take advantage of um yes i, I think in the near term um you know government efforts have been focused on supporting companies and individuals um you know through the furlough scheme uh, and such like but uh, i think you're you're spot on um you know infrastructure investment is expected to play a very important role in the in the post crisis economic recovery um uh, and that's sort of stimulus incentives um you know that have been mentioned in very recent days by uh, by the prime minister uh, will play an important part um I mean, uh, Boris has, you know, just yesterday talked about um, a five billion um, infrastructure spending boost to, to try and accelerate various uh, various projects uh, and capital spending on um, projects including hospitals, uh, schools, uh, and, and, and a number of road projects. Um, but then, you know, more longer term, uh, you know, this is expected to be followed up. Um, with the uh, well, very long-awaited um, national infrastructure strategy. Um, you know, we've been waiting for this for quite some time. It's it's been pushed back and pushed back. But uh, I think um, you know we, we, we're expecting to see uh, something announced on that um, as part of the the autumn budget. Um, uh, and I mean that'll um, see uh, you know infrastructure uh, investment focused on. Uh, the types of things I've mentioned, uh, but also um, energy networks, uh, other transport initiatives, um, uh, waste projects, for example. So, yeah, I, I think infrastructure spending will be used um, uh, in order to sort of help us out of this um, recession. Uh, you know, the government's making all the noises um, that suggests that will be the case. Um um, but the other thing is there's there's quite a lot of pressure um, or a lot of lobbying, certainly, uh, for uh, the sort of green agenda to be uh, made a significant part uh, or to play a significant part of that uh, that infrastructure spend as well. Speaking of the green agenda, another one of the uh, rumours that we've had is that Boris is also going to announce some kind of cash for clunkers scheme to get people to buy electric vehicles. Um, when we spoke last year, you were talking about the fact that the infrastructure around electric vehicles wasn't actually up to scratch in terms of it could not really cope with the demand because we didn't have enough charging points, etc. Have we come any closer to being ready to meet more demand for electric vehicles or is, uh, are we going to find ourselves a little bit ahead if people do start buying them? Yeah, so it's quite a... A difficult question because, of course, uh, individuals install points at their own on, on their own premises, of course, and that that will take up some of the um, uh, you know that that, that installed um, uh, charging um, element you know will be provided by individuals, I suppose. But but on a public view, I think you know although the number of public charging points has been increasing, uh, you know, fairly steadily. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, the UK needs uh, a lot more um, of this kind of infrastructure to support um, or sustain the rise in electric vehicle usage that uh, that will really be required uh, as part of the country's, um, you know, long-term emissions targets. Um, so I think there's a lot more that needs to be done there. Um, 
just anecdotally, I, I, you know, I live in a fairly sizable commuter town, and um, you know, in terms of public charging points, you're you're, you're talking a handful uh, to service a very large population. So if there was a big shift um, in that direction, I, I, I think you know the, the capacity just isn't quite simply isn't in place. Um, and I, I'm, although I, I can't be certain, I, I imagine that's a similar situation across the, the broader country. Although there will be hotspots where you've got you know, significant installations. The other area of this, of course, is renewable energy and wind and solar are big parts of your portfolio. Um, I believe the UK is now the biggest offshore wind industry in the world. What's your outlook for this area of the market? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think um, I think the UK should be you know, quite proud of how it's pioneered the offshore wind industry. Um, and as you say, it, it is a big industry uh, for, for the nation. Um, you know, the UK set a, a new national uh, installation record last year for offshore wind installations. Um, and Hornsey One, uh, which is uh, an offshore wind farm located just off the Yorkshire coast in the North Sea, uh, is the largest offshore wind farm in the world uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, so we are, you know, very strong in that in that industry. Um, now, you know, the government has made uh, a manifesto pledge to install uh, as much as 40 or have uh, as much as 40 gigawatts of installed offshore wind capacity uh, by 2030. Um, now, you know, that would require around 30 gigawatts to be installed over the next dec- decade. And, you know, that's about three times the amount that was installed in the prior decade. So, um, you know, that's considerable. Um, capital investment that's going to be required um, and of course that's good for good for jobs um, and good for the that broader industry within the UK um, so in terms of growth I think there's you know the outlook's very strong uh, in the broader benefits for the UK economy you know um, there are lots of positives to take there as well and your holdings in solar yeah so uh, onshore um uh, sorry, so solar in the UK uh, remains a, a growth area. Um, in recent years, the government uh, sort of stepped away from providing subsidy support for new installations. Uh, but more recently, we, 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 they, they sort of relaxed that a bit. And, and it may be that those more mature technologies, so onshore wind and, and solar, um, may be considered um, for uh, some form of support mechanism going forward. Um, but it's certainly a, an industry that will continue to, to grow as well. Um, in, in terms of magnitude, I think offshore wind is where the, the real focus is, though. We probably get more winds than we do reliable sunshine as well, I suppose, do we? How's the, the storage on things like solar in the UK? Is that something that you invest in as well? Yeah, so um, energy storage, I think, is, um, you know, broadly speaking, it's a really critical next step in being able to harness um, all this renewable energy generation capacity that we've, we've, we've installed. Because, of course, you know, as you, you've already alluded to, it's not, it's not always sunny, it's not always windy. And so the power generated from these sources of um, power generation are, are intermittent. And you have to have a way of smoothing that. Um, you know, if we're going to harness all this capacity um, to its full potential. Um, there are various forms of 
energy storage, um, but I think um, batteries are a, a key focus at the moment. Um, yes, uh, in answer to the question, are we invested in this space? Um, the fund does have um, an exposure to a UK-focused battery storage um, um, company. Um, it's a fairly new position in the portfolio, I suppose. Um, we've held it for about 18 months. Um, you know, and it's performing you know, in line with the expectations at the moment. Uh, and it's an area, again, where we see considerable growth just to, to, to balance out that, that growth in intermittent renewable capacity and the need to smooth that, um, uh, you know, um, as power is required rather than, um, you know, uh, in line with as it's generated. Of course, you get peaks and troughs in the generation from renewable sources. Uh, and the, the requirement to smooth that and harness it is is, is a critical uh, sort of next step. So yeah, an area we're really you know keen on uh, and, and do have exposure to. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And if you'd like to find out more about the VT Gravis UK Infrastructure Income Fund, please go to suncalibre.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change. Please remember we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or to sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of your listening. 